0: don't touch that dial you are now tuned in to pruner tv brought to you by adobe radio in partnership with nice guy digital without further ado here's the guy who played a nerd on tv way too much in the 90s your host aaron pruner
1: I know this is a TV podcast, but I just want to say really quickly, I saw the movie A Quiet Place over the weekend starring Emily Blunt and her husband John Krasinski, who also co-wrote and directed this horror film. You can know, I believe you know him best uh, as playing Jim Halpert on The Office, which is how I'm tying this to be about television. And I just want to say, uh, between this movie and Jordan Peele's Get Out, I feel like there's a new formula for successful horror films. Uh, Just hire comedic TV actors to direct. I'm Aaron Pruner, and this is Pruner TV. You are now tuned in to episode number eight. How exciting. I know you're thrilled. Um, First off, I want to thank you for sticking with us here at Adobe Radio. You can follow the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, because I'm pretty sure it's super exciting to do that, at Pruner TV, or you can follow me at Aaron Flux on those same platforms today. I am super excited that my uh, my friend Gary Anthony Williams, character actor, sketch comedy guy, voiceover uh, talent. You may know him as Uncle Ruckus from Cartoon Network's The Boondocks. He played Bebop in the live-action Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, movie sequel. He, he's the black dude with the the, the tall purple mohawk. Um, he's been around. He was in uh, Whose Line Is It Anyway? It's a Blue Collar TV. Um, He knows Key and Peele and all all those cool people, and I'm going to do my best to ask him what Wayne Brady smells like. That being said, um, I have some topics I wanted to talk about before we get into uh, this interview with Gary. First of which, last week, some details emerged about Season 8 of American Horror Story. American Horror Story somehow is still alive and kicking, even though Ryan Murphy has left Fox. Um, he's still executive producing American Horror Story, an American Crime Story, and a buttload of other shows that I don't quite. I mean, 911 on Fox, and uh, he's got the new show Pose coming out on FX. Although now he's with. Uh, he moved over to Netflix for $300 million. Yet still, he is. Uh, Leading the charge with American Horror Story. So good on him. The show has been renewed up to season nine. Um, There's nine levels of hell when you think of Dante's Inferno. So I'm wondering if this will end with season nine. It would make sense. Um, The new season, there's a rumor that it's going to be called Radioactive. Although that's not completely confirmed as of yet. And the the new season is apparently going to take place a little bit in the future. Production, be- production begins in June. Joan Collins, who was in the original Dynasty, has been lured in to play Evan Peters's grandmother, which is pretty incredible. She's like 83 years old now. Um, Evan Peters and Sarah Paulson are going to be returning, but they're also going to be making their, their directorial debuts in the new season. Each, each of them are going to be directing an episode, which is pretty cool. Um, Ryan Murphy says that the new season is going to have more of a tone of of Coven and Asylum than feeling like Colt or Roanoke. And if you've been watching the show, Coven and Asylum were, like, the more bonkers epi- uh, seasons. They were a little bit more fantastical. Uh, Asylum threw everything at the goddamn wall. Like, you had, you had mutant aliens and um, mental hospital Nazi uh, doctors and... It's crazy. That's actually my favorite season of American Horror Story. But, like, when you got to the alien abduction part, it was like, okay, okay, you, you're just, you just – this is just feeding your own personal tastes, Mr. Murphy. But one of the big things that came out of this these details is Ryan Murphy said – I believe it was last week he said, the show is going to take place 18 months from today and said – He's going to leave it up to the fans to do research on what that means. And 18 months from the day that he announced this is October 6th, 2019. Now, the show is going to be premiering in 2018, but it's going to take place a year in the future. And um, he encouraged people to look into this. And if we're going by the theme that it's, quote unquote, radioactive, October 6th, 2019 will be the 58th anniversary of President Kennedy telling Americans to build nuclear bomb shelters. Which uh, makes me wonder if we're going to be going into like this nuclear post-apocalyptic Fallout 3 style zombie death world, which I am here for. Like I was just saying, a quiet place kind of goes down that road with its post-apocalyptic feel. But I am a prepper. I, uh, I love uh, apocalyptic stuff, and uh, as far as, you know, American Horror Story can jump the shark all they want, but, like, there's some really good actors on this show, and if they end up going into the apocalypse, you know, a year in the future, who knows how it's going to tie to Roanoke, or especially Colt, you know, the Donald Trump theme throughout Cult, they're all sort of connected in a way, it's going to be interesting to see how that goes. Um, Maddie. I'm, I'm gonna add Hi, Do you man. watch American Horror Story?
0: I haven't watched the past few seasons, really, but I did keep up with it um, at the beginning. I'm only I asking did. you
1: because I know you're a big Stranger Things fan.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I enjoy American Horror. Yeah, American Horror Story. I will say one of the reasons that I kind of fell off of that is because I was in college and didn't have, at the time, didn't have any way to watch it. That's now, fair. That's different, and I want to get back into it yeah. because I enjoy that stuff. It's yeah. weird, and I like it. So. Yeah.
1: Yeah, the weirder it gets the better it gets. I feel yeah. like uh with Roanoke and with Cult, they sort of got a bit too gritty and grounded in our current reality that it was hard to um I don't know, have that uh s- suspension of disbelief. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Especially yeah. with the season Cult which was which was the reaction to Donald Trump becoming president. Yeah. Um plus there was that whole play on clowns and I hate clowns and was just the whole season was just anxiety for Mm -hmm. me. Um, Speaking of anxiety, there was a TV show on Netflix that's about to uh, premiere its second season called 13 Reasons Why. Um, I have a lot of feelings about this TV show, and I'm going to get a little bit deep here for a second. But the first season was about this girl who left uh, cassette tapes for different people to listen to because she killed herself – and each cassette tape explains why it's every person who is involved, every person's fault that she is dead. And there was this gimmick in the narrative, in my personal opinion, putting this retro gimmick of, of headphones and a Walkman to really suck viewers into the stylized story of this girl who goes through a really unfortunate hard time in high school and then decides to take her own life. My problem with this movie of this I'm sorry this TV show is that they tackle the issue of depression, teen anxiety, uh, teen uh, drug addiction, rape, assault and suicide in a very irresponsible way. When I was in high school I tried to kill myself. I don't know if uh, this is shocking anyone. I ended up taking a trip down this uh this road and became a goth kid who ended up going to a bunch of clubs and that actually saved Me, personally, because I made friends and I developed a a sense of self-esteem I did not have in high school. But I grew up in a really uh, emotional space. I didn't make friends very well. When I learned I, I was good at acting, that sort of was an outlet. But this show fucking pissed me off. Because there is a scene in it where you actually watch the girl slit her wrists in a bathtub. And watch her die in this horrible, violent, visceral way. And that is the payoff of her blaming everybody else on the show for her selfish act. Because I don't care. The, 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 the bottom line is suicide is a selfish act. No one made you do it. There could be things that invoke certain emotional responses in you that make you think or want to go down that road but the best way for you to get out of that is by dealing with it and talking to people and not blaming everyone else and taking responsibility. I have a lot of feelings about this, and the reason I'm talking about this is because I also don't agree with the Parents Television Council, which is a right-wing religious group that protests left and right about TV shows that are apparently uh, have a negative effect and are, are harmful towards children, and they announced that they want Netflix to hold off on airing season two until experts in the scientific community have determined it safe for consumption by minors. You're fucking late. That's all I got to say. I mean, the show came out in like 2016. What you, You've already seen the worst possible thing. The show has shown many horrible visuals. The subject matter is not easy to handle. Like you're already, it's too little too late. Not that you should even, like I'm going to flip this for a second, not that you should even stop it from airing, but there should be trigger warnings and there weren't as many as there should have been. And I don't believe showing the act of suicide and the way it was presented here after also building it up as it's everyone else's fault but my own, the way they showed it because it was exploitative and I get that they wanted to show how visceral and horrible it was, but at the same time, as someone who went through that, it was too much, and it it caused like this PTSD thing in me. And I know that I could see how that can give a negative uh, message and negative response from people, and also glamorize suicide. There was a time where I th- I, I glamorized it, you know, the romantic nature of blood and whatever I mean like I said I got into goth stuff and I was really I'm really into horror films there's a there's a romanticism about it that is disconnected because it's still a tv show or a movie and you're a real person and there is also that perspective of well I could survive that you know prove them wrong and then anyways I could talk a lot about this it really upsets me but also the parents television council I mean there's (laughs) who are you kidding come on God. All right. I got one final thing I wanted to talk about here that also kind of pissed me off. Uh, Netflix canceled Everything Sucks after one season. (sighs) Everything Sucks was a TV show that came out of nowhere for me, and I did not like the first episode because I felt it was a bit too um, loaded up with 90s style References, and I grew up in the 80s and 90s. I was in high school in the 90s. The show is about the early 90s in a town called Boring, Oregon. But the references to pop culture and TV shows and movies and Oasis and Tori Amos. Like, I get it. But the first few episodes, it was so packed with that that they were really trying to nail home that this was a TV show that was that was based in a specific time period that is now considered retro enough. Like when that 70s show hit it big, they tried to do with that 80s show and it didn't work because it just wasn't – there wasn't a long enough time period between the 80s and the time that that show was coming out where I feel like now the 90s are in. 90s jeans are back. People are – girls are dressing like Blossom. I've been noticing this all over the place. Uh, Blossom is a TV show for you young kids out there that used to be on uh, – Prime time, And um, Mayim Bialik, who is now, I guess, a recurring character on The Big Bang Theory, dressed a specific way. It was like flowery dresses, and it was like this overall thing. I've been noticing that a lot, and I'm sounding like an old man. I get it, because I'm not uh, 100% hip to the jive, so to speak. Yeah, Maddie, I'm using what you said. Um, but this upsets me, because Everything Sucks became much more than what you thought it was going to be. It wasn't just a retro comedy. It was a coming-of-age story that tackled race issues. It tackled homosexuality uh, in in teens and in adolescence and and finding your own identity. And it did so in a really digestible, fun, heartfelt way that was also positive in breaking stereotypes. And it also reminded me that I used to be a really big Tori Amos fan. Like, huge. There was a time I wore, uh, wore vinyl pants and a poet shirt to Tori Amos concert in the 90s. I may have had eyeliner on. <laughs> I may have gone with a girl. may not have gone with a girl. I went with a girl. Uh, but yeah, this reminded me how much of a fan I was of Tori Amos. It just sucks that everything sucks has been canceled after one season. That being said, it was still a great show. You should check it out. All right, guys, uh, stick with me. I'll be back in a second with Gary Anthony Williams. We're back, um, and I'm joined today by a friend of mine that I've been trying to get on one of one of my shows. I I do multiple shows. I met this person. Yeah. At a coffee place. Just
2: tell him. Let it let it flow, man. Oh, Gary. Oh, get, he's letting get, it get, flow.
1: Gary Anthony Williams. Young guest. You know, Finally. Long,
2: I want I want you to say my name again because you just it was too casual. And this is a big deal. For Gary me. Anthony Williams. That's it. And I literally like my child has to do that every day. <laughs> you walk my, in the room. My, my white wife. She's got to like, do it.
1: Da, 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 da.
2: And then that thing goes off and it's like, yes. All right. Now I can begin to think about beginning my day. Gary? Hey, Aaron. Hey, I want to tell you something. Yeah, man. Um, I've. Wait, are we about to chop it up as we say on I the mean, streets? Let's chop it up like right. we say on the streets.
1: All right. You're talking to kind of a, a really white Jewish dude, but he, I feel like... Jewish uh,
2: people know about chopping. Hey. Think of liver. Hey. Huh? Yes.
1: Okay. I, I listen to a lot of hip hop. Yeah, you do. I do. Yeah. I, I um, you know, Gary. Gary. Yeah, yeah let's break it. I meet a lot of people in this industry, and you're one of the nicest people, nicest down-to-earth, easy to talk to guys. And yeah. I want to thank you, first and foremost, for that. It's, be, uh, be, got, and, I'm going to like, be honest. Yeah, go ahead. I feel like we're a part of this community at yeah, we, M Street Coffee. We are. Uh,
2: which is this local <laughs> coffee place. Or <laughs> uh, we do it? I think <laughs> This episode
1: this. of Pruner TV brought to you by
2: M, M Street, Street coffee. coffee. The M is for mm. <laughs> Right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: But like I told you the other day, the first time I ever saw you in person, I walked by, I used to work at MTV, and you were there, and I'm like, that's the guy from Blue Collar TV. Oh,
2: yeah, I was was that one black guy on Blue Collar TV.
1: Uh, Yeah, that was the first time I really (laughs) remembered thinking, that's the funny guy from Blue Collar TV. I'm not a big fan of Jeff Foxworthy or any of that type of comedy. Are you
2: a fan of Larry the Cable Guy? Right, so... You're not a I've fan been of Larry meaning, the Cable I've Guy. Been, I've been meaning Larry to. Larry the Cable Guy will kill you if he finds out you're I mean, not a I, fan. I feel like. Like, literally, he builds his fan base like he has somebody of their fan. If they say no, he will kill them. Larry the Cable Guy will kill you. I love Larry the Cable Guy.
1: There it is. <laughs> but like, okay, so starting off, I have a I have a listener who actually messaged me, wanted to know how you got into improv because they loved okay. your episode of spontan, Spontaneation spont, with uh, Paul F. Tompkins. Yeah, yeah,
2: I do a lot of his show, a lot of his uh, podcasts.
1: So, so dialing it all the way back. Yeah. How did you get started in improv? Was it like, I know you're from Georgia. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. Where did this all begin? Because you're kind of like a Renaissance man.
2: Uh, y- yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I, I actually am a Renaissance festival man, to be honest with I've you. I've
1: been. It sucks.
2: Uh, no, whoa, tiger. Yes, daddy. Retract the claws. <laughs> 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 I think tigers have retractable claws. I don't, don't know think. why yes. I called you daddy, but that well, was weird. Because I said Simba, retract your claws. Uh, so um. Two things happened to me. One was I was in high school. And I know th- a lot of, a lot of people... happened to me, too. Well, we we're different, you and I, but... We're more similar than we're different. Yeah. We're very, as Jordan Black would say, simular. And you'll have to look up Jordan Black to find out who that is. Okay. Uh, when I was in um high school, a uh, computer error put me in an acting class. Seriously? Yeah, for real, for real. And it... I was just, I was too lazy to get out of it. And then I got in it and it was like, oh, this is fun. So we did a little improv thing in that class, like when I first got in. Then I was in college and and, uh, I was acting in college. And um, a guy came down from the big city of Atlanta to my little college. And he taught a one-day improv class. It was one day he came in to teach a workshop. And at the end of it, he pulled me aside and he said, Improv is not for you. You really shouldn't be doing this. Oh. I swear to you, 100% he said that. And at that moment, I was like, I'll show you. That's that's how I... Negative stuff like that works as a fuel for me. Right. I'm like a kid. Like, tell me I can't do something. I'm pretty much going to put a handful of ants in my mouth. You can't eat ants. (laughs) I'm about to eat a handful of fire ants.
1: I've seen enough Bear Grylls to know that you can definitely eat ants. You can eat ants. I don't know if you'd want to eat ants. You should not eat ants. But there is sor- some sort of sustenance that it provides you. Yeah,
2: it's proteins. Protein. Prote- oh, I like to, if I have two letters together, like protein, I ain't saying protein. Protein. I have a lot of time in my life, so I try to hit every <laughs> syllable and every uh, vowel I can. I'm big on vowels nowadays. Super big. I mean, I, I'm going to use that. Please. So, so
1: you went from this. I mean, come on, man. Like, here's something I keep going back to. You were on whose
2: line is it, anyways? The new um, version. Yeah. Uh, I was actually, I actually. What does Wayne Brady smell like? Uh, Wayne Brady is a good. He is a good smelling man. He, he really. He is. looks like he is. I have never. I will say I've never had, I've been around Wayne when he had a bad smelling day. Hmm. And anyone can have a bad smelling day. Yeah. It can happen to anyone. Uh, anyone in this room. And guys, I don't know. Will they be able to see this? No. There, there are fifty-eight people in this room. There really
1: right now. are. And I like to. I like to keep it tight. Yeah. keep it Keep it crowded and yep. tight, like a keep like a tight room, like 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 a like a metro link train at the height of rush hour. You literally. It's just you, standing room only in this yeah, room.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Even uh, so, even in a crowded on a crowded room day, Wayne Brady always smells quite delightful. I actually auditioned to that, for that show when it was still the English version. Years, and uh, years, with and years the, ago. Oh, with
1: the, the English version was that with Ryan Styles and Greg Proops? Yeah, I watched all that, those. Dudes. Like
2: so, like, like
1: yeah. it was a religious thing for me back in the day. All I did was watch Comedy Central, so yeah. I
2: knew who you were. I, like well, early on. Yeah, but I wouldn't. They didn't let me on that show. So my buddy Nick Jameson, he had sent in a tape of him doing improv when we both lived in Atlanta and did improv with. The, group called Laughing Matters. They saw the tape, they saw him, and they said, oh, who's the black guy with you? And he's like, "This my friend Gary. He's like, bring him up to New York and audition for Who's Line. This is no American show, only the English show. We go up, we both make it to the final cut. They start out with like 30 people. They get down to five. We both make it, never hear from him. Then they flew me out to L.A. like the next year. Come out and audition again. Make it down to the final cut, never hear from him. I do that for years and years. And finally I was like, Screw these people. Uh, and then they called my agent when they started the new show and said, hey, we want Gary to come and audition. I was like, I, I ain't, I'm not auditioning for those people. <laughs> I said, they know what I can do or what I can't do. Whatever it is they're looking for, clearly I'm not it. So I, I got a black version show at the Groundlings. They can come check me out. But I'm not, I will never audition for them again. Then they came and checked out the show, and then they're like, okay, hey, you're on the show now.
1: I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to ask you about the black version.
2: Well, man, I'm the king of segues.
1: I really? Okay. You know, I have it written down here as a note to talk to you about the black version. When I went to the Television Critics Association uh, last year, you're okay, now correct me because the last time I mentioned him, yep. I believe I said Cedric – Yarborough, and you uh, were like, you were like Cedric or Cedric, and I'm like,
2: uh huh. I don't. There's C, is it Cedric? See, there's Cedric the Entertainer, yeah, and then there's Cedric Yarbrough.
1: So I'm talking about Jonesy from Reno 911.
2: That would be Cedric Yarbrough.
1: That is good to know because
2: here's how you know Cedric the Entertainer can't see, he's legally blind. What, C- really? No, he's not. Oh, but if you imagine he was. Then Cedric Yarbrough can oh, see.
1: See, okay.
2: Right. Okay. So imagine Cedric the Entertainer is legally blind, and then Cedric Yarbrough can see, and that's how you can remember him. Wow.
1: All right. So I went up to him because I have Who? Uh, Cedric.
2: Cedric. Okay, because he can see.
1: I went up to it. He was there for Speechless uh, yeah. at ABC, and I went straight up to him. I'm like, "So I'm friends with Gary Anthony Williams, and I wanted to come up and say hi." And he picked me up by the ear, yep. and he escorted me out the building.
2: Yeah. He was like,
1: uh, security?
2: Yeah. So you are, if, and this goes to anyone. I don't. I, I assume you have 28 million listeners. I can uh, only assume. You that. know,
1: yeah, that's kind of a rough
2: estimate. Okay. All right. This goes out to any of your 28 mil listeners. You mention my name in any situation. It will get a reaction. Like, it, it might not get a positive one. But it's going to get something in your case. This
1: is how you and I are the same.
2: Yeah, okay. We are the same. As, as Jordan Black would say, similar. Yes. We're similar. Pro- protein. Protein and similar. The proteins are similar to the dendrites, right? That's, com- that's, that's, uh, that's uh, <laughs> science. I'm a big scientist. <laughs> I love science,
1: Aaron. Well, hold on. You're, you're getting off topic. Oh, Tell I me-
2: love science so hard.
1: Yeah, our government oh. doesn't. Um, oh. So about the black version, tell me about this show because you've been doing this for a while.
2: It's made up of scientists, all oh, scientists. Yeah. Oh. See, I got it back in. Oh. Uh, so uh, there is a young man named Jordan Black who is currently writing on the new episodes of, what's that show with Tracy Morgan?
1: The, the Last OG.
2: The Last OG. So Jordan Black is writing on that. He used to write on Saturday, Saturday Night Live. He got a bunch of black improv comedians together. He had done a couple of little sketches on the Internet. But then one day he called us all seriously and said, hey, guys, uh, you're the only black improvers I know. Is, that, go- is, that,
1: is that something that's unique? It is
2: not, there are not a lot of black improvers. There are more huh. now because we're breeding now. Oh. Uh, but ha- for a while, the government sterilized us. Yeah. But we broke through that. Um, so he called us and said, hey, Monday – Come to the Groundlings. We're going to do a show called The Black Version. What's it going to be about? We're going to take a typically white movie like on Golden Pond, and then we're going to improvise the black version (laughs) of that movie. Okay. Are we rehearsing or anything? No, no, no. Just show up Monday, and we'll start doing the shows. So we showed up Monday, started doing the shows. That was like six or seven years ago now. Damn. And at that time, it was me, Cedric Yarbrough, because he has vision. Yes. Danielle Gaither, because she is not gay. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm and going she, with you. She's gay Ur. She's more gay. Oh, than the yes, person. Oh, yes. Uh Phil Lamar from he was on Mad TV, right? He was on Mad TV. He's Samurai Jack. Yeah. Um who else uh in the original cast? Um Key and Peel. they yeah. were both in it. Yeah. Uh a J- Jordan me, Oh, and right before we started, Octavia Spencer. Oh, okay. Was in it. Uh she's won awards. Yes, I've uh, I've heard of her. So we showed up, we did the very first show with Karen Maruyama uh, directing it, and we've been doing it ever since. Damn. It's a fantastic show.
1: That's right. I remember yeah. seeing you in like a few episodes of Key & Peel.
2: Yeah, yeah, because they wouldn't audition. They're, everybody on Black Virgin, at some point they just called and said, hey, you want to come come in and do an episode? So, so tell me... Um,
1: I know that improv and sketch comedy is challenging. I, I was obsessed with it for a while. I, I took classes at the UCB. Um, why continue doing it? Is it something that f- feeds the soul?
2: I love doing improv. Like It's literally, I shot a pilot like two years ago up in New York. It's so funny. Cedric Yarbrough and I were both in New York shooting separate pilots. And I don't remember what his was. Uh, it was like three years ago now. And my pilot was completely improvised. I was uh, the best friend of David Schwimmer. Oh. And it was 100% improvised to the point so where— So you were
1: drawing on our real-life experience. Exactly. I yeah. I, can, yeah.
2: I always say you're the David Schwimmer yeah. of the greater Valley If I area. could tell
1: you how many times people have said, you're really Ross from
2: Friends. No, no, You're no. not
1: Chandler. You're this, Ross. This
2: is exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so my show was improvised, but, like, every night he'd be like, all right, I got to go, you know, go study my lines. And I was like, no. What's that? No. No. There's <laughs> no time to study lines. No. Um, Just live in the moment. Yeah. So it, improv, whether it pays me or not, it's literally my favorite thing yeah. to do. And it's you do a free. lot, man. Like do, The, the
1: yeah. other thing, you, you're a voice actor. I mean, yeah. When I told my buddy that I was having Uncle Ruckus on from the boondocks. God how
2: much, it is such a beautiful day here. You know what I am like most about all of these people in your room? There's not one All colored, 58 three, of them? All 58 beautiful white people smelling like cinnamon and vanilla oil. Uncle Ruckus is the most racist black dude in uh, the world. He would be loving Donald Trump right now. Oh, yeah. That's all I can say.
1: Well, okay, so... Um, oh. So I know we're we're almost out of time in this segment, but what how do you, you mean? You... How
2: how can we be out of town?
1: Uh, out of time? I
2: barely said
1: anything. I know. I was going to give my pin number. It's crazy. Um, from 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 improv to to behind. you, know, you do behind the camera stuff, mm-hmm. but the voice stuff. How difficult was it to get into that world? Because yeah. you've actually met with my wife, who is yeah. who is an aspiring voice actor, yeah, yeah. and gave her some tips. Like mm-hmm. I know it's
2: cutthroat. I told her to make sure that she talks with her mouth. Yeah, she was trying to do some different kind of voiceover stuff. Yeah, trust me, I I know. Yeah, um, it it was it was the hardest part of the business to break into, because if you got say like a Phil Lamar, he can do eighty or ninety different voices. Yeah, like you don't need that many people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like if I'm in a given cartoon, I may have my main character and play three other characters on the cartoon. So it was the absolute hardest part to break into, but it's also Probably the funnest part of the business to be in. That's what I've heard. Yeah,
1: yeah. That's what I've heard. Um, and uh, and you're you're currently narrating a show called Unsung.
2: Unsung, yes. A music show on uh, TV One. Everybody thinks they don't have TV One, and everybody does. It's won like six NAACP Image Awards. Damn. So that's how I'm able to keep my black card yes like i can never be questioned if i'm black
1: i can keep my jew card by just simply How? reminding myself i can't eat dairy
2: oh you're so mishpacha
1: i had but dairy the other day was not a good Look, just I, was not a good experience
2: that is again where we are similar i cannot eat dairy yeah uh most we're, we're also from from uh the streets we're from the streets we are totally street guys
1: i used <laughs> to i'll t- tell you um so i have Really long eyebrow hairs on both eyebrows because when I was a kid, I was uh, I, I lived in the bad part of the valley. There is a bad part because I got uh. hit up by gangbangers every day. Mm. I decided to dress like crisscross, so I wore really Whoa. baggy clothing. <laughs> I had cross colors, really baggy clothing, and I wore them backwards. Uh. And I got like and I shaved a line in both eyebrows wow because I wanted to be like uh criss-cross. like not vanilla ice but uh-uh. like crisscross yeah. and uh <laughs> now, now I'm reminded of that horrible choice because my eyebrows uh some hairs grow back really long the, and I don't have the the side. the, the, the uh, remainder of the sides of my eyebrows that I used to have
2: I will only say my favorite thing about crisscross is I saw them one time when they were young like on a, on a video of them young talking they were like we wear our clothes backwards. We'll never turn our clothes around the right way. We'll never wear our yeah. clothes right. It's like ha <laughs> yeah. But now if you see them, like, you know, they're older but they're still wearing like really nice Italian suits backwards. Yeah. You never know you don't know if they're coming or not. I know. Going. I know. You don't know which we You are. don't know, Gary. This segment was too short, dude. I'm not gonna lie to you. I mean, you could always come back. America. You could be my co-host. You know, I
1: need you to be my announcer, pretty much, is what I'm saying.
2: This is the Aaron Aaron Pruner TV.
1: Thank you.
2: With now, Aaron Pruner.
1: That <laughs> to, Okay, so one final thing. You're working behind the camera on stuff too.
2: Yeah. What is Life Hacks for Kids Life Hacks for Kids uh, It's two things It's three things Actually It's three things It started out as A tiny little Digital series For DreamWorks That me and my Business partner Jeannie Rochard Who created. I met Right Man? She's a, v- a Delightful female <laughs> Also a partaker Of M Street Coffee Yes M Street Coffee The finest coffee In the valley Remember the M Stands for M. Mm. Mmm Uh so we sold uh DreamWorks TV this little three minute thing of here hey, you I don't have a stylus for my uh iPad. Here's how you can make a stylus with a pencil and a and a potato chip bag and a rubber band. So like MacGyver for children. Exactly. Then it turned more into crafting. Okay, so it started out as a little digital thing, then they sold a book, uh, Life Hacks for Kids, and now it's a TV show that we produce. Uh on a channel called Universal Kids. It's an actual half hour television show for children. And you direct it? Uh Jeannie and I both write, direct, and produce it. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's really cool. I'm a mogul man. Hey, I'm mo I'm out here on these streets moguling, bruh. Filming. I don't. Writing this kid shit. Just moguling, man. You want to know something else you and I have in common? What's that,
1: man? You were in the Jiminy Glick movie. Yeah. And I was supposed to be Martin Short's clueless Are cue you card guy.
2: kidding me? I
1: auditioned for that and I booked the part and they ended up not going forward with the part.
2: Dude, let me just say that movie was one where it was impossible to sit across from Martin Short as Jiminy Glick. And not die laughing. Like, you would crack up every single day. Yeah. You should have been there.
1: So tell me something. Oh, man, I
2: wish I, could, I had time to tell you a Jiminy Glick story. It's,
1: it, come back. Come, Dang, You I, can come back. There's you don't so
2: many words in back. my mouth that can't get yeah, the out The final
1: thing I want to talk to you about is the importance of comedy, especially in this yes. garbage fire of a world we're living yes. in right now. I yes. I follow you on social media. Yes. I see your jokes and commentary about the president and, and other him. things. I hate him. Why? I hate him is comedy so important?
2: Uh to me, uh first of all, I do reserve a little piece of anger. I I want to spread love about everything. I give myself one thing to be angry at and that's Donald Trump. He's I, that's my go-to. That's anger. fair. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, that may I can spread that much more love in in the world. But if we do let ourselves just go down, straight down the vortex with nothing, then it's going to just be sad, heavy-hearted times. So even in my, I never wake up going, "Oh, I, I got to be funny today." People like us, Aaron, we're yes, the same. Yes. Yes. Like certain people have a funny personality, right? Certain people have a serious personality. Certain people have a scientific. If you are just wired to try to look at the lighter side of things, even in those tragedies like Trump, Trump is a tragedy. I, I hope. I hope. Uh, I hope none of the fifty-eight people in this room are Trump supporters. You
1: know, I don't, I don't, I don't. I wouldn't worry about them.
2: Even in that, I have to find the silver lining in the Trump crap show that we are living in, or else I'm just going to be angry all the time. Yeah, I feel you. And I'm raising a young black child at home, and I don't want him to only be angry, angry, but I do want him to know the truth. Out of
1: right. Life. Yeah. Right. And a lot of times that comes through comedy. Yeah. And,
2: and I mean. I, I expect all of your audience is also raising a young black child yes yes so, that's the
1: prerequisite of tuning into printer TV that is
2: so and thank you for doing that. you're welcome because angelina Jolie can't raise all the black my children. wife's
1: pregnant with a black child
2: oh i can't wait to see it <laughs> I can't wait to see this little black child yeah uh coming out of your wife's birth
1: oh now. wow this got weird so no, gary it no it didn't we're uh, we're out of time, but I want you to tell people that I mean, if you want people to find you, where uh-huh. can they find you online?
2: Uh, I I hope I'm right about this. I think on Twitter I'm at Gary A Williams. You are, and on Instagram I'm Gary Anthony Williams.
1: Okay, and in real life you're
2: Gary Anthony, Anthony Williams! Williams, and you are Aaron Pruner. Aaron Pruner TV. When you need TV, um, just. Turn it on. I don't know. Turn it on, (laughs)
1: Gary. I want to thank you for coming in, and you are definitely welcome to come back whenever. Just walk in the building like you did earlier. Just you know,
2: is it? I I hate to say this, but is it true? Am I really a delight, like everybody keeps saying? You are a delight. (laughs) Okay, I guess
1: you're just a nice, cool, delightful guy. Oh boy, stick around. We'll be right back. So I was hanging out with my mother this weekend. I mean, not hanging out. We were, you know, meeting to do some some personal family business. But in the process of getting coffee, she asked me, so did you uh, listen to the news the other day? There was a shooting down the street. I'm like, well, first off, like I said earlier, I I did grow up in an an area that it it may be the valley. But I mean, there was a lot of stuff I saw drive by it when I was a kid and. I've seen robberies and stuff in the valley, not too far from where we're recording. Um, that said, I told my mom, I'm like, no, I, I I, don't watch the news. I don't watch the nightly news. There's, aside from the fact that recently Sinclair Broadcasting Group, there's, if you've been paying attention on the internet, this went viral, I think, last week or the week before. Sinclair Broadcasting Group is the company that came in and purchased my old, the, the company I used to work for, Tribune Media. And they are trying to create a more uh, further right than Fox News uh, media company. And one of the things that they do is they buy up um, different affiliates throughout the country, like Fox affiliates and NBC affiliates. And during the nightly news segments, they run a script for their anchor people to present like a message. And there was this this uh, script that they had that was run all across the country of, of men and women talking about the dangers of one-sided news stories and how that is affecting the conversation. And basically it was going in line with Donald Trump's messaging about fake news and about how the mainstream media is the enemy and yada yada. I will for kind of agree that the mainstream media isn't necessarily the enemy, but there are there's certain programming. If you stay up and watch KTLA news, I used to work in the KTLA newsroom and it was kind of a nightmare. But watching the kind of stuff like morning news shows and nightly news shows cover, where you get the big stories, you also get the local stories, but they water things down a bit to make it more, I guess, understanding and digestible for their audience. And I'm not gonna necessarily say nightly news shows mostly appeal to older people, but I'm bringing this up because when my mom asked me if I watch the news, no, I get all my news on the internet. And I feel like that's a thing that more and more younger people, I mean, tell me, Maddie, I I want your input on this. Where
0: do you get your news from? 100% the internet. And sometimes that's as simple as Snapchat and Twitter. Snapchat, like, really? I, yeah, they'll I, do. I don't think they're— I
1: don't understand the Snapchat.
0: <laughs> I don't think they're the most credible, but a lot of times I'll see something on Snapchat and then go Google it. Because, right. you know, I want to make sure it's credible, but I I do not watch the news, period. It's all internet now. Yeah,
1: so so that's that's kind of my point. My mom asked me this, and a lot of times I'll see news on Twitter that won't break on a nightly news show for like a day or two or even three days later. Where it just feels like you're playing catch up, and uh, uh, shout out to Brett, you should not put ketchup on a hot dog. Um, <laughs> that was okay, Brett Davern, a whole other thing. Um, so it got me thinking: Where do I get my news from, and what kind of news programming is out there that doesn't infuriate me, but more so educates and make and informs you in a way that daily network news doesn't, even. You know, MSNBC, CNN, Fox, they all have specific echo chambers or bubbles that they're living in. And, you know, there's good messaging that comes from a a wide variety of places, but you got to know where to get it from. And aside from, like, Twitter and the Internet, I started thinking about news shows that I watch. And most of them are comedy shows, like I was talking to Gary earlier about the importance of comedy, especially now. And... Sadly, The Daily Show is not on this list for me because Trevor Noah does not really speak to me the way Jon Stewart did. But there's shows like Last Week Tonight with John Oliver, Full Frontal with Samantha Bee. Even Weekend Update on Saturday Night Live, they touch on issues and unpack them in a way that makes it something that that feels like it's almost part of the conversation. And there is also a show on Viceland called Jesus and Miro which I live and die by. It's a daily show. These two guys, Jesus and Miro, they started as the Bodega Boys. That's what they're known as in New York for a channel called Viceland, which started as vice, which I'll get into more in a second. They do a daily program where they go through the trending topics of the day. And it's just two black dudes on chairs, drinking and giving their commentary about everything from like gossip to news stories, to viral videos And it's a well-rounded conversation, and that is what keeps me, I feel, somewhat connected to the younger generation because, like, there's some shit I wouldn't know about if I wasn't watching them. But um, it just makes me really think about places like CNN and MSNBC, even HBO with Real Time with Bill Maher and stuff like that. They all have a specific – uh, modus operandi i guess or or protocol in which they operate where they're they're operating under a specific guideline or message of this is the way i lean it's not 100 percent unbiased and yes john oliver samantha b weekend update these isn't they all do not agree with our government or our president but There are also times where they flip it and give the opposite side of the argument. Jon Stewart was great at doing that. The thing I really love about last week tonight on HBO with John Oliver, every week he gives you a lesson. It's not just touching on news stories and updating you on what's happened in the week. He gives you a lesson. He dives deep into a specific issue that you may not have known about, that uh, this past week's episode was about abortion laws and um in the country that just blow your mind um not to mention apparently you could also it's still legal in every state of the country to for a child to get married under eight like there's a lot of shit you learn about but he gives multiple angles of one issue which i find really refreshing um But then I started thinking about actual news programming, and aside from Twitter and the internet, the one news show I tune into regularly is Vice News Tonight, and look, I'll be the first to admit that Vice News is this hipster, you know, designed, like, uh, you tune in and you know you're going to be watching some dude in a man bun with tattoos walking around in like skinny jeans rolled up with no socks and loafers on in like a third world country talking about kombucha and and whatever green drink he had that morning While also like the, the newest uh, band he learned about at South by Southwest. But aside from that, if you get beyond that, they actually cut deep into issues and give you unbiased delivery of information, especially on Vice News tonight. You're getting stories that, You will not get on CNN, you will not get on Fox News, and you will not get on MSNBC. You're getting actual stories that aren't feeding into a specific formula or ratings push or anything. And it's all around the world that you're getting these stories from that keeps you informed. And I really like that. But also, they have specials. And last week, Vice News Tonight uh, premiered its sixth season, and they did a special about juvenile... um, what is it? Juvenile, our juvenile cr- uh, criminal justice system with Michael K. Williams, Michael K. Williams played Omar in the wire. He's, he plays, um, uh, Le- I believe, yeah, Leonard in happen Leonard on Sundance. He's a great actor, but he's also, he's had experience within the juvenile, uh, criminal justice system before he became an actor. And he's done these things for vice before. And it's really, I highly recommend if you have HBO, To watch it because the special talks about how the percentage has risen a lot exponentially over the past two decades. How many children are being locked up in the prison system because at a young age they got addicted to drugs or got, you know, uh, left a abusive household and became involved in the streets because there wasn't a solid foundation. And they tie it back to many things, including. You know, like I said, abusive households, uh, the lack of parenting to the point of your the uh, kid's prefrontal cortex isn't fully developed until you're in your early 20s. Which means when you're a teenager, you are way more susceptible to influence of of your peers accepting you, of uh, making decisions that could lead you to uh, becoming addicted or depressed or trying to commit suicide. Like I mentioned earlier. And it all uh, goes this this negative direction if you don't identify it. And the problem with our criminal justice system is just handing out punishment without getting to the root cause of whatever issue is causing this kid to go the wrong way. And then suddenly, 40 years later, they're still in prison. Or they get out and they keep repeating the same behavior. I find it really unfortunate but also educational and informative that Michael K. Williams is going into these prisons – Talking to these kids, talking to these older prisoners and exposing the issues, but also the means in which they're trying to fix the problem through therapy, through counseling. And um, it, that's just one example of the many ways that I feel like nowadays news shows, which is more are more so going towards this docuseries um, uh, direction with stuff like this, where it'll be an episode of a news show, but it mostly tackles one issue that I feel like stands out from the crowd. Like on CNN, for instance, there is a show called United Shades of America, hosted by comedian W. Kamau Bell. And every episode, he goes to a different part of the country and explores an ideology or religion or issue that is uh, opposite of his. And he is a liberal black man from California. He went to KKK country and actually attended a Klu Klux Klan rally, like things like that to give you the, the opposite perspective to hopefully try to find common ground to come to a middle place. And there is a show on Viceland that is called Hate Thy Neighbor that is very similar to that, but is even more raw because it's Viceland and they can get away with more. Um, and I mentioned docu-series and I wanna end on this. There is a new rap docu-series, hip hop docu-series on Netflix that is also, it's not just about the music, although I am a big fan of, of hip-hop, m- mostly old school because I'm old. Um, there is a show called Rapture on Netflix that I discovered two weeks ago, and first episode completely hooked me. And uh, there's this uh, up-and-coming, actually, I think not, he's no longer up-and-coming. I mean, he was nominated for a Grammy. There's a rapper named Logic, that I had heard about uh through Rick and Morty. He was in a Rick and Morty episode, but I didn't really know about this guy. Um and the first episode of Rapture is about his story. He's a biracial, uh young man. He's like 27 or 28, who grew up in an abusive household. His dad was a crack addict, his mom was a crack crack addict, he ended up Uh, like going to the streets and, and was taken in by a friend's parent and was drawn to music and music basically saved him. And he, he learned at an early age that he was really good at rapping. And so he just did it with his friends and it was like all in, he was doing it every day while being like homeless and crashing on friends couches. But he created like this social media following. He started doing small shows it became bigger and bigger and bigger And through social media, he got a manager, which then got him signed to Def Jam. And now he's blowing up, like, everywhere. He was nominated for a Grammy for a song called 1-800-273-8255, which also is the National Suicide Prevention Hotline, Lifeline. See what I'm doing? I'm tying it back around to what I was pissed off about earlier. I... Love this guy. And I, I'm not at all saying that for any semblance of humor or anything. I was blown away by this episode because in in the world of hip-hop in general, there's this bravado, this, this, this sense of not showing weakness or being vulnerable. And if you do that, y- usually you're mocked and made fun of and thrown under the bus and uh, you become a punchline. But Logic here apparently... He, he hit a low point, I guess, because of just working constantly, and he, he, he was pointing to anxiety issues where he was getting really depressed, and he wrote this song about suicide that blew up. I mean, he got on Ellen. He got nominated for, for a Grammy. like He's everywhere now, and he was talking about how difficult that process was to write this song. And how this song has touched so many people. And I had heard the song so many times on the radio, but I never listened to the lyrics. And after hearing him talk about it, I started, uh, you know, I'm watching this episode and there, there's footage of him doing live shows where instead of like trying to you know start feuds with other people or talk about how amazing he is by the way he does do that because it's hip-hop and there is a song where he talks about how he's the greatest rapper alive which is something Lil Wayne did which is something Drake did which is something Jay-Z has done but the flipping that he promotes positivity and love which is something you never hear about in hip-hop unless if you're listening to something like Mattis Yao that israeli hebrew guy that seemed to disappear who he's the reggae hip-hop guy or uh even macklemore has done it but i feel like logic is tapping into a, a demographic that was not being spoken to and there is a moment in the episode where he's talking about how he's gotten everything he's dreamed of and it hits him all at once And instead of asking the camera to cut, he's sitting there for five minutes crying his eyes out. His face is red, tears coming down his face. And he's showing this raw emotional state that you don't see ever in hip hop because, you know, he's human. We're all human. We all have faults. And he's promoting that message of positivity that we've all had horrible times in our life. But to get past it, we have to work through it instead of blaming other people and, and taking the the easy slash hard way out. And naming a song the Suicide Prevention Hotline's phone number, that's intense. That I mean, I didn't realize that that was the name. And I watched the video. And the video is a whole other thing. The music video is about, about there are still places in this country where if you're a kid dealing with Your own sexuality issues, like how I mentioned about everything sucks, which was canceled, um, you can get disowned. You can get kicked out. You can get pushed out to the street because you're gay and your parents won't handle it or can't handle it because of religious beliefs or societal beliefs or whatever. And they touch on that and how one little thing that shouldn't be a big deal can change the trajectory of a person's life and send them down the wrong path. And and it shows that side of it, but it also shows the side of love and forgiveness and how family and acceptance can really promote and change a person's life for the better. And the fact that that is all through hip hop is an amazing thing. And it completely, 100% made me a fan of Logic's, And I've been listening to his music like very regularly now since I saw the episode. So, I'm going to end on that. I know this has kind of been a deep episode, a lot of subject matter that is uh, not hilarious to talk about, but for every bit of comedy there is out there, there's also tragedy and pain in the world, and there is a positive way of dealing with that to build up your friends, family, and community. If you enjoyed what you heard today, this is me ending the show, by the way, please like us, review us, subscribe on iTunes. You can also follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at PrinterTV. And if you are not sick of my voice, maybe tune into my other show. I get drunk and argue with my buddy Jack Conway on Punch Drunk TV. We are at Punch drunk underscore TV on Twitter and at Punch drunk TV on Facebook and PunchDrunkTV.com on the internet. Next week, I'm going to be joined by actor Alex Rich, who is playing a young Pablo Picasso in the second season of Nat Geo's hit series, Genius. Should be interesting. I'm excited. Once again, my name is Aaron Pruner. That is Aaron Flux on all the social channels. I want to thank you all for listening. I
2: love you.